I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 22 in which we teach the children. By the way, I don't know that I have ever actually given a date on these podcasts, but if it's of interest, I'm recording this episode on Friday, September 10th, 2010. Today's episode will be, as it sounds, about teaching kids to quilt, which in some ways probably isn't all that different from teaching adults to quilt, actually. First, I'm going to open with a Quilters Like the Rest of Us interview. I know I haven't shared one of those in a while because the summer got wild busy on me, but I do still have a few in my pocket, and there was one that was perfect for this episode, so we're going to start by hearing from one of my guild buddies, Jan. Then I'll give you the results of the Summer Creativity Challenge, who sent me responses and who won the drawing, and then we're going to go through a bit of a Sandy update and do some listener comments, and then we have a treat, another quilter interview with a quilter like the rest of us. When I posted a question to the Big Tent group about teaching kids to quilt, one of the people that I heard from was listener Lynn Weathers. She described to me Aunt Lynn's Sewing School, and I was intrigued. After she told me what she was doing, I asked if I could go to Aunt Lynn's Sewing School. I asked her if she would let me interview her for this episode. It took me, you know, a little bit of arm twisting to get her to say yes, but she did finally say yes, and I'm very excited that will be the main content of this episode. Um, But after that interview, I will share some tips and ideas about teaching kids to quilt that were shared by other listeners in Big Tent and people that emailed me. And then we'll end by sharing a few resources that I've run across. So, let's begin. First, my conversation with Jan. I am Jan Saravola. Um, that's, that's me. <laughs> when did you first start quilting? Um, I started around 2005. I started out because I saw an embroidered wall hanging um, in the Viking Center in Henrietta. And I walked into the Viking Center, and I said, you know, can you take that down, please? And the lady <laughs> kind of looked at me, you know, and she's like, I'm sorry? And I said, I want to buy that. Can you, can you get it down? It's awful high. And she's like, you can't buy that. That's a sample. I go, a sample of what? And she goes, a sample of what our machines can do. Really? So then I started investigating at that point and looking at the different machines and surfing the Internet and it, it was pretty much machine embroidery that I got into first. And after I embroidered everything in the house, <laughs> I decided that I needed to find something else to embroider on. So I tried to make a quilt, didn't take a class, five-eighths seams, little pieces everywhere because things weren't long enough. Mm. And then I started taking classes, and I just fell in love with it. Mm. Now I teach, I quilt, I retreat like six <laughs> times a year. <laughs> it's great. Definite obsession at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got a bit of an addictive personality. <laughs> you do a lot with computers, and you also do EQ kind of stuff. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about when you started blending computers with quilting? Um, actually, that was right away. That was really, you know, because an impulse purchase would be buying that sample off the wall. But then as I started to investigate more, I realized how computerized the machines are now, Um, I got a demonstration of the software, so it pretty much was 
a, a merged relationship right away. So I went straight into, when I say I went into machine embroidery, I went straight into the software mm -hmm. and learning to digitize and, you know, building designs and making designs. Didn't really like it right away. It just seemed a little too time consuming, but as the years went on, you know, I got better at it. But once it merged together, then, you know, other things came up on Yahoo groups. I joined every Yahoo group that had anything to do with quilting and sewing, and, mm -hmm. and that's when information started to filter in, and I was like, ooh, what's that they're talking about? And then I found out about uh, EQ, and that's pretty much where, EQ happened at the same time that I ran out of things to embroider. <laughs> so after I did that monstrosity of a quilt with 5-8 seams, <laughs> I discovered EQ, it didn't teach me to quilt, mind you, but it did, you know, build, the, I didn't know what to buy, I didn't know quilt shops existed. Mm. I had only been in Joann's at that point. And uh, I got EQ, and then I was searching for, I was Googling EQ one day to look for more sites, and I ended up on the Genesee Valley site and mm. found out that there are guilds of people <laughs> that get together, and then went there, and then the first thing that I ever taught, they asked me to do a demo of EQ, and it, it was a great experience just mm -hmm. watching that light bulb go off in people's heads when they when they get something. Mm -hmm. It was fun. So are you ready to upgrade to EQ7 when it comes out? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, without a doubt. My students are not happy about it because, you know, people, unless they're really passionate about computers, they don't need every software package the second it comes out. but. That's a prime example where I've gotten experienced enough with my quilting where I know where the software limits me, mm -hmm. where there's things I can't do. So I want to know, can I do it in the next version? Right. And of course, it's kind of a niche. There's mm -hmm. nobody else around here that teaches it. So. Right. right. So mm -hmm. in terms of quilting itself, you'd already talked about machine embroidery, but is other than the embroidery, is there any particular style of quilting you find yourself particularly attracted to and doing a lot of? I started out very attracted to just blocks and sashing and traditional quilts and things like that. Um, as I said, I have a very addictive personality, so once I took one class, I had to take another <laughs> class, and I had to take another class, and, you know, classes, 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 and I kept going, and I'm a relatively good student, so I, I really do, regardless of whether they hold my interest or not, I keep paying attention because there might be some little nugget that I'm going to pick up. And once I got to like class 25 or something like that, um, I'm starting to realize that I've learned everything there is to learn about traditional quilting, and now I'm starting to experiment a little bit more and, you know, stick things where they're not supposed to go <laughs> and break the rules. And, mm -hmm. But I, I was very turned off by what I call fiber artists mm -hmm. at first. I didn't get it. I di it didn't make sense to me as a quilter because I was never an artist. I can't draw, I tried it. Can't paint, I tried it. You know, anything that was free form, I was not good at. I was good at following directions and following patterns and doing even recipes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I literally have to, with a knife, <laughs> straighten out over the teaspoon, you know, so it's exactly a teaspoon. So I'm always very precise. So this is, it's kind of fun being able to break those boundaries and move, and it's just starting, so I definitely don't have an opinion about it yet. <laughs> it's fascinating. Do you think it's helped you as you're starting to move into that, that you did learn the rules first? Because some people Absolutely. go into art quilting right off the bat. Absolutely. I don't think I would have been able to go from art quilting to traditional. Mm -hmm. It, it would have 
been too tedious because this is very free. I mean, to just stick something wherever you want to stick it and find a way for, you know, for the seam allowance not to show, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's very, it's kind of exciting when things come together, you know, but if I didn't do that, you know, stay in the box and follow all the rules, I, I wouldn't have been able to go to traditional quilting, but I'm still, I appreciate them more, mm -hmm. you know, applique and Baltimore albums and, you know, I'm starting to um, get excited about the meaning behind some of the quilt blocks and things like that. I've been reading the Elm Creek quilt series mm -hmm. and it's kind of inspired this whole, you know, legacy feeling to me mm -hmm. where I really need to document what I'm making and I should make a scrapbook and wow, I should probably label those quilts <laughs> and, you know, stuff like that. Because, you know, maybe someday somebody would be fascinated by my journey, mm -hmm. you know, but it's hard to see that now. And you said to me earlier this weekend um, something about that you don't have this legacy of quilting from your family no. so much. So no. you're kind of starting. I am starting the, the tradition in my family. I do have, I, I only have sons, but I do have a 10-year-old niece that uh, she's very creative, and her mother doesn't have a creative bone in her body. She's homeschooled, and in order to fulfill her art area, she comes and spends a day a month mm. with me, and we do a project, and... You know, we've done things like that, and she seems to be interested in quilting, so I can foresee us when she's not 10, <laughs> <laughs> spending more time doing things together. So, that yeah, that'll be fun. Mm. But I did find out, you know, much later, actually like a year ago or so, that there were some people in my family that quilted, um, and my mom apparently made clothes. She's like, don't you remember? No. <laughs> Never saw a sewing machine in our house growing up, ever. So it, it's news to me, but stories are starting to come out. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wish that um, my grandmother was still alive when I had started quilting in my grandfather. My grandfather was a mathematical genius, mm -hmm. and I think that the math behind quilting would have, you know, he would have come up with some really interesting stuff, mm -hmm. but it, it's just something to think about now, yeah. obviously. Let me go back to your ten-year-old niece. I okay. recently found out that two of um, two of my listeners, two of my greatest fans, are twelve years old and ten years old. <laughs> That's awesome, <laughs> respectively. So when when you work, you got to keep niece, the funny in there. You know that, right? <laughs> well, yeah, keep the funny, or you lose them. Like, so. <laughs> um, in your experience working with a, a ten-year-old, how do you have any tips for people who may be wanting to instill a love of quilting in the next generation? I think that. Every person is a different type of student. My niece in particular, being homeschooled, I mean, she's very advanced for her age. However, as much as she has that passion to learn, I started out with rather than the meticulous and, you know, like a normal beginner's quilter class would mm -hmm. start, I started out with fun. Mm -hmm. Like having her, um, we did a 1930s quilt together. Too to replace a quilt that they had in their family that was just completely torn to shreds. So we, I bought all these reproduction fabrics and she was fascinated with the color and the patterns and the little, you know, funny look, looking critters and, and stuff like that. So I made it a puzzle with her just because she's a puzzle kind of girl. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, we need to make sure that no reds are touching reds and green. So it was like this great big puzzle. So. Her first experience was with quilting was just laying out the pieces, and then she would bring them to me, and you know 
run them through the machine, and then I would press them, and then she would put them back and get all excited as it came together. And then I used reverse psychology, which I've always used with <laughs> my children, and I started to go much slower. Mm -hmm. And the slower I went, the more frustrated she got. And as long as I still had a captive audience, she would be like, can I try? And <laughs> she'd start to get impatient. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I guess you can try. <laughs> and then, you know, here you do one. And, you know, it just kind of... I guess reverse psychology is the best, you know, manipulate the kids. <laughs> a little manipulation. It's like the Tom it. Sawyer thing. You want to paint this fence, you know, that type of thing. I, I guess that's what I would go with, with younger kids. But, I mean, it seems like there's more younger kids now that are getting interested in that kind of stuff. I noticed that knitting went crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, five years ago, there was teenagers knitting all over the place. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's like the only... Needlecraft, I never learned. Yeah. I tried it, but apparently I'm a stressed out individual and I did it very tight and it was very painful, so I didn't do it anymore. <laughs> I, did tr I did take well to crochet though, because mm -hmm. I didn't have to bring things together. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have any advice for new quilters? Like any trade or skill that you want to get experienced at. I don't recommend taking these quilt in the day, you know, breeze through this. I, I just, I don't think that fast is the way to start because you don't learn to appreciate the process. And I really think that good quilters appreciate the process rather than the finished craft. Just mm -hmm. going very slow and meticulous and, you know, the, the more accurate you are, the more you're able to expand your knowledge. So. I, I think we had a retreat, it might have been two years ago, and there was somebody here that brought a teenage uh, teenage daughter, and she wanted to make a quilt, and I mean, she was, as teenagers do, you know, just banging it out, and it fin and nobody could give her advice, you know, the first day or two that she was there, and then when she started to put this quilt together, you know, it, it wasn't going together, and we were trying to teach her how to meet the seams, and the seams weren't anywhere near each other, you know, and then... Finally, when that frustration level got there, you know, she started to look around for help, and some of us helped her out and showed her, but I think at that point she had already plunged ahead too far to really be able to appreciate correcting it, mm -hmm. you know. So slow and steady is, is essentially what I would advise them. My 15-year-old, uh, my he took to my machine. He was kind of fascinated by watching the embroideries grow, mm -hmm. you know, as I was doing embroideries, and I did get him to sit there and uh, change colors on the threads and things <laughs> like that, and then when I would take him to the sewing machine shop, everybody would go gaga over the fact that he knew how to use the machine, <laughs> and he did a demo for somebody one day at the store. It was really funny. Well, it's just sort of like a creative video game, sort of, <laughs> when you get in the machine embroideries. And my advice for the beginning quilters' teachers is constant positive reinforcement. Even if they're really botching things up, <laughs> find something that they're doing well because kids don't get enough positive influence anymore. I mean, it just life moves so fast. People don't take the time to, you know, water and, and flourish those creative instincts. So if you just, wow, you know, really go over the top, wow, that is really good for a first time type of thing because pride is a big thing that teenagers don't have anymore. Yeah. It's important. 
I really, really like doing interviews. Can you tell? I always think people are so much more interesting than I am, and I like being able to talk to them. So thank you, belatedly, Jan, for allowing me to do that interview. I also want to say thanks to everyone who has joined the Flickr group for Quilting for the Rest of Us, those of you who have subscribed to the Quilting for the Rest of Us newsletter, followed me on Twitter, emailed me, commented on these episodes or on my blog, or those who have joined Big Tent, mostly, but mostly, thanks to all y'all who are listening to this podcast. I really enjoy the fact that it's become a conversation, so keep talking to me. I enjoy it. Just as a reminder... You can find everything at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Links to my blog, links to the newsletter, links to Big Tent. I'm pretty sure I've put a link to the Flickr group up there. Um, And again, you can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. Or you can follow me on Twitter so that I can follow you, sandyquilts, Y and Z. Now, Summer Creativity Challenge. There were actually maybe six or seven grand total people who had told me they were um, planning on doing the Summer Creativity Challenge, but I did only get um, responses from three folks altogether. Uh, Two others have promised me that they will send pictures when they do get around to finishing it, and of course I'm in that same boat. I wasn't able to finish it either. You know, life happens. So I want to say a huge big thanks and a shout out to Darla of Scientific Quilter, to Jill and to Jacqueline, woohoo, for playing along in the Summer Creativity Challenge. Um, next week's episode will be the wrap-up on the Summer Creativity Challenge, and I'm also going to finally include the comments that folks sent me from the first Creativity Challenge, those um, entries I kept saying I was going to share on a blog, never got to do it. So I'm just going to do it in one big big, big podcast episode next week. I will share with you what everybody told me about their processes um, in their creativity challenge responses. And of course, I will be posting the photos of this summer creativity challenge responses. Um, I'll probably post them in the Flickr group, and then I'll probably blog them over to my blog. Not sure, haven't entirely decided that part of things yet, but they will be shown, they will be revealed, never mind, never fear. Um, Now, for the drawing, because you're all anxious to know who won the gift, um, I used, of course, the random number generator, random.org. It's a little harder to be random when you're only dealing with the numbers 1, 2, and 3, but I still did it so that I wouldn't have to choose myself. Um, And I am pleased to announce that Darla won the drawing. Darla, I will be contacting you for your snail mail address so I can send you your gift, and I will try to get that in the mail next week. Congratulations. Now... Like I said, next week's episode will be the summary results of both of the creativity challenges. Um, So you'll get to hear a little bit about what other folks uh, go through when they're kind of looking at something and and being inspired by it. Um, It's not the end of creativity challenges. I will be doing challenges in the future. Um, Just got some other stuff going on at the moment, so I'm not going to be doing one right away. But never fear, they will happen. Now, Sandy Update. If you've been following my blog, you know the big, big banner event in my life is the Charity Quilts are done, done, done. I am so excited. Oh, my greatest apologies. Sorry about that. My daughter came home from school and the dogs barked as soon as they heard the garage door going up because she always comes home through the garage. In any case, back to my excitement about those Charity Quilts. Not only are they 
done, but they are donated. I actually got them out of the house yesterday, took them over to the place where they will be distributed. Um, very exciting. Of course, I had a, a last-minute repair I had to do on one of them, that first one, that was so obnoxious to work on from the outset. Um, I had thrown them all through the wash because, you know, we've got two dogs, and until recently we had a cat too, and so there's, you know, all sorts of animal hair all over them, and I decided not a good shape to donate them in, so I did run them through the wash. And the one that was the most brutal to put the binding on was also the one that I had the most problems with the binding, and sure enough, part of the binding kind of came undone a little bit from um, where the fabric met it. So I very quickly sat down and hand whip stitched that kind of back together, mostly invisible, I think. Um, not that it really matters because the whole quilt is in such bad shape anyway. But in any case, they are warm, they're cozy, they will do somebody good in the cold, you know, uh, Western New York winters that we get here. So that's good. Um, I actually had a brainstorm for the binding on the last one. I was measuring it out. It didn't need a lot of fabric, and so I was a little bit reticent to cut into one of the the yardages that I had on my shelf, and I suddenly realized, wait a minute, I was doing two and a half inch strips for all these bindings. I have a slew of two and a half inch strips in my stash. I used to do some strip exchanges, etc., and so I decided to start pulling strips, and I wasn't going to worry about the matching. I was going to go for the scrappy thing, um, just try to find colors that would work, and as it turned out, I found I needed six strips, and I found six somehow from the same fabric. I must have cut off a scrap or something at some point. So that worked out really well. Um, I was able to use a little bit of stash for that, too. Um, I'm sorry, you probably still hear Sammy whining a little bit. My daughter came home, said hello to me, and then disappeared into the basement, and we don't allow the dogs in the basement because they tend to get into trouble down there. Um, so they are closed up here in my office with me, and they are so not happy about it. Um, Hopefully, in a little while, I'll be able to shoo them out, and it will be once again turned to blissful zen in here. Uh, anyway, back to the Sandy update. I did get the binding on my square and a square quilt. Pretty much, I celebrated having those charity quilts done by immediately going back and starting work on one of my own UFOs again so that I could feel like I was making forward progress for the first time in months. So I got the binding on the front. All I have to do is the hand sewing on the back. And it's, you know, it's probably a twin size quilt. So that's going to take me a little while, but I don't mind that because that's a nice TV project to do. And meanwhile, all the rest of the UFOs I have um, all need to be machine quilted so I can have a project on my machine machine while I'm working on the binding on that one by hand. So that's not bad. Um, and finally, the last little sort of quilty related thing I'm doing is I think I mentioned that I had bought myself EQ7 for my birthday and I got it loaded, um, installed probably about 10 days ago now, maybe not quite that long anyway, but I hadn't really been able to play with it yet. And finally, a few nights ago, sat down and um, started messing around with it. And I'm working on designing a quilt for one of my nieces. I have a 10-year-old niece who has asked for a wall hanging um, with peace signs on it. So rather than just going the the route of finding fabric with peace signs, um, which I found some, but I wasn't jazzed by any of it really, I am going to do kind of a big applique peace sign, and I'm probably going to do um, multiple fabrics on the peace sign itself. So I'm going to piece the peace sign, <laughs> as it were, and then applique that to some sort of a pieced background uh, with borders. You know, I'm, I'm still working on the design thing, and then I may get this all designed and decide it's way too complicated for anything I want to do and simplify it, but right now I'm having fun playing. And I am pleased to say that I'm actually remembering quite a bit of what I learned from my Quilt University class that I took on EQ6 last spring. Yay for me. 
often I don't remember stuff real well like that, and I'm glad that I was able to go through and design an applique um, patch and everything, something I'd never known how to do before I took that QU class. So those of you who have EQ or are um, planning on buying EQ, I strongly recommend Quilt University classes. It's extremely, extremely helpful. Okay, that's all on the Sandy update. Uh, Let's go to listener comments. First, I was kind of going through some old emails, and I decided I needed to do a call-out to Diana. She is the mother of the 10- and 12-year-old daughters, who might well be 11 and 13 by now, (laughs) or something like that. And uh, we had talked about giving them homework over the summer, and now that summer's over, I'm just curious whether they did any sewing. So, Diana, I hope to get an update on that. Thanks to Kate, Maureen, Jay, and Sandy from uh, Quilt Cabana for your comments on my blog post, Charity Quilts Revealed. I did post a picture, finally, of those charity quilts. Uh, So if you're interested, check out my blog. And, by the way, have I mentioned how glad I am to have those things out of the house? Oh, what a relief. Anyway, okay, I will get back on topic. Uh, Thanks to Sherry, Kate, and Anna for your comments on my blog post, The Light at the End of the Tunnel, in which I was looking towards almost having those charity quilts done. By the way, Sherry, yes, I agree. I really do like doing binding. Um, I think partly that's because it does signal the finish line, but it's also one of the few hand sewing things I do. Um, I don't do hand quilting. I am not a knitter, Francis. (laughs) I am not a knitter. Uh, But anyway, I enjoy doing binding because I can do it while I'm down with my family watching TV rather than being squirreled away all by myself in my sewing room. No. Mind you, there's a lot of times I prefer to be scrolled away by myself in my sewing room. But once in a while, I like to be social too, so it's nice having the binding to do that. Thanks to Lori for your comment on my blog post about going to Houston. We'll have to see if we can meet up. And Jay and Sherry, thanks for your comments on episode 21 in which we get uh, Spacey, the one about UFOs. Jay's, uh, Jay, I'm going to hold you to your promise that I will get a photo of what your response would have been to the creativity challenge had you been able to get it done in time. And Sherry, in her comments, show, uh, shared how she motivates herself to get her UFOs done. So definitely go to uh, quiltingfortherestofus.com and check out her comment. Um, and Sherry, by the way, my mind boggles. Your sister was running out of projects? I think that's a first for me. I'm not sure I've ever heard of a quilter running out of projects, and um, I'm sure there are folks who would happily send her some of hers, so she better get busy on her own stuff uh, pretty soon, or she's going to get deluged with everybody else's work. Thank you, Pat, for your email, and I'm glad you had fun sharing that video with others. Uh, Everybody I did post in the Big Tent group, I think is where I posted both of these. I know I posted one, maybe both. Um, I had been forwarded a video, uh, a link to a video on YouTube named You Can Quilt That Out, which was pretty entertaining. I also posted one, I think, on 100 Ways to Hide Your Stash or something like that. But you can go to YouTube and look for both of those titles. Those are pretty entertaining videos. Uh, A couple of new shops have been added to the shops page on quiltingfortherestofus.com, so check those out. Sherry left information about a shop in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and Jill gives information about two different shops, actually, in, and I'm probably not going to pronounce this correct, Kalispell, Montana, K-A-L-L-I-S-P-E-L-L, Montana. So if you're up Montana way, check those out. Uh, And we have three new entries in the You Know You're a Quilter When category. I really love that these keep coming. 
Um, that's fun. Jane said, you know you're a quilter when you see a necklace in a magazine and know you have just found the colors for your next quilt? Jen says, you know you're a quilter when you're folding laundry and wonder how much longer that shirt, dress, or skirt is going to last before you could reasonably cut it up for scraps. And AJ, new listener, shout out to new listeners, woohoo! AJ says, you know you're a quilter when you're walking your dog and you see snippets of fabric from trimming dog ears and bits of thread on your dog's fur. Uh, yeah, I have a dog that has the static cling thing going on, so if he happens to walk by my cutting table when there's threads around, they just leap off the table onto his fur. Actually, that's the dog you're hearing whining right now. Um, Let's see, Anna also emailed information about an organization. I've read about this organization before. I don't know anything about it personally, so I'm just passing along information here. Um, It's called Little Dresses for Africa. And it's a not-for-profit that collects dresses sewn out of pillowcases to send to children in poverty in Africa. And if you're interested in knowing more, just go to www.littledressesforafrica.org. And they do, it's all one word, by the way, all lowercase, no hyphens or anything, littledressesforafrica.org. And they do have patterns for how to make dresses out of pillowcases, etc. there. Um, do also remember the Million Pillowcase Challenge sponsored by American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine, which is done by Better Homes and Gardens. Uh, and for more information about that, you can go to allpeoplequilt.com. There's links to patterns, information about where you can send them, etc. I haven't actually made any pillowcases myself because of those darn charity quilts, by the way. I'm happy to have them gone. <laughs> have I said that before? Uh, but I am planning on to, uh, doing some pillowcases. Not only do I want to... Um, be able to be a part of that but it's also a good stash buster some of those fabrics that maybe i'm no longer envisioning in the quilt world i could make a a pillowcase out of so uh, lots of folks involved in that and i would encourage you to get involved in that as well so those are all the listener comments for this week um and i think it's time now to go on to the interview and again now we are back to talking about teaching kids to quilt and the uh, listener from is Lynn Weathers, and she uh, allowed me to interview her for this episode. And so I'm going to now share with you the interview we did by phone just a couple of nights ago. Um, and then after the interview, I'll share some tips from other listeners as well. My name is Lynn Weathers, and I'm a quilter. <laughs> All right, uh, Lynn, you've been a listener, I think, since... It's got to be pretty close to the beginning of when I started. I know you've been around for a while. Um, and you had commented in Big Tent to one of the questions I'd posted about um, teaching kids to quilt. And you told me about Aunt Lynn's Sewing School. Can you tell me a little bit more about that now? Well, Aunt Lynn's Sewing School started because my niece, who was, I believe, seven at the time, wanted to learn to sew. And my sister has five kids and did not have the time to teach her how to sew. And so I said, well, why doesn't she come to my house for a few days, and we'll sew. Hmm. And she did. (laughs) And was she excited about it to start with, or did you have to kind of talk her into wanting to do this? No, she wanted to learn to sew, had been begging her mom to teach her how to sew for six months or so, and... uh, and my sister just, she, at that time, her kids ranged from, like, infant to eight. And she just did not have 
time <laughs> so on a button, let alone Right, understandably teach. so. <laughs> so what motivated you? I mean, obviously your niece really wanted to learn, but why did you want to teach her? Uh, I just thought it would be fun. Um, she was so excited about it and, you know, was real enthusiastic about it. She was definite, wanted to make a quilt, and I'm all for that. Let's, <laughs> let's get her hooked early. And now your son has also started attending your sewing school. How much younger than your niece is he? Um, he's about two years younger. Okay. Maybe three, two to three years younger than her. Did he start um, yeah. right out that first year with her, or did it take him a couple of years to decide to join in? Well, he started a little before I started the Aunt Lynn Sewing School. Just um, He said one day he wanted a quilt, and he was four, and I didn't really, you know, needles and thread and <laughs> four-year-olds. Um, but what he meant was he just wanted to put fabric on the design wall and play with it. Hmm. Um, and that's what he did for about a year, just, you know, putting the fabric up there, moving it around, and... I mean, he would really think about it, hmm. pulling out, um, you know, dumping the entire scrap bag out <laughs> to find the color that he needed. <laughs> Did he uh, learn to clean up after himself as well, or were you always having to put the scraps away again later? <laughs> <laughs> no, I always had to put the scraps away. <laughs> That's kind of the downside to the whole sewing school thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I am the setup and clean-up crew for sewing school. You're probably also the chief snack preparer. and <laughs> Yes, yes. So what kind of challenges did you face when you first started working with your niece and also with your son to start out? Well, just trying to figure out what was age appropriate and, um, and what they really meant when they said they wanted to, to make a quilt. Hmm. Um, you know, when my son was little, he said he wanted to make a quilt. He just wanted to put the fabric on the design wall, and he was done. Um, you know, but my niece, she wanted to pick the fabric, pick a pattern, sew the pieces together, actually make a quilt, um, and trying to figure out a pattern that was age-appropriate. And then just the setup. I mean, I wasn't really set up for a child to sew at my sewing machine. Mm. The foot pedal was too low. The chair wasn't right, you know, and I, I didn't think about any of that when she started. And so it was quick, hmm, now what can we do, you know, with boxes and Yeah, pillows. so how did you solve the problem of the foot pedal? Well, what I had to do was I have a, an adjustable office chair as my sewing chair, so I had to raise that as high as possible so that she would be, you know, the proper elbow bend ratio thing for the, you know, to the machine. And then I just got a um, a milk crate that, you know, I had books in. I just dumped the books out and turned the milk crate upside down and um, put the foot pedal on that. Hmm. And what about that a cutting worked. table? Well, I did I did the cutting okay. for her. Um, she was seven, and seven's a little A little young, young for a rotary cutter, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, anything where you can... You can cut the finger off before you realize you've done it. <laughs> um, so you didn't also got, want to become Aunt Lynn's hospital service as well? <laughs> no. No, we only live three blocks from the hospital, but I was hoping we weren't going there. <laughs> she did get to do the ironing. She ironed and pressed all of her stuff. Mm. But um, I did all the cutting. Okay. And, and she was happy for that. She just wanted to, 
you know, at that point, pick fabrics and have me cut squares and then um, arrange them. And she took a long time arranging her squares. What do you feel? I mean, you, you talk about some of these things you hadn't really thought before you started. Are there things that you feel you've actually gotten better at now through this process of working with her and now your son every year? Yes. Um, learning to just relax. Um, I'm quite a perfectionist, and they're not, mm. and that's okay. Just being looser. I, another thing I did was I set a guide uh, I use a stack of post-it notes, like six or eight post-it notes next to the to the needle, approximately a quarter of an inch away, so that they've got something to run the fabric along, mm-hmm. and that helped. Um, but, you know, letting them know that well, if, if it's not exactly a quarter inch, I mean, this is their first project. It's not going to be perfect anyway. Right. And the fact that they're seven um, <laughs> is just going to make it that much cuter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just letting them know that it's okay to rip. Everybody does it. (laughs) May as well learn that early. (laughs) Right, right. And so, you know, as long as it wasn't completely horrible, you know, I just left it. It's fine. And so just just learning that it, it it doesn't really matter if it's perfect. It doesn't matter if their points match. You know, if they don't and things don't come out even in the end, just whack it off. It'll be fine. I, you know, I have that same theory towards my own quilt, so why not towards a seven-year-old? Exactly. <laughs> um, describe some of the projects you've done over the years with the kids. Well, we have done, um, with my niece, I made, she made a, um, I guess it would be just a charm square project into a quilt, and then we've done, uh, we tried needle punching, and that was a disaster. <laughs> Uh, we tried cross-stitch, and she was not really able to follow a pattern at age seven, but my son did very well with mm. cross-stitch mm. at age seven. So I think it more depends on the child. Okay. Um, he could follow the pattern, and she was more of a perfectionist, more like me, so if she messed up, it really bothered her, mm. and he's just so totally not um, a perfectionist. And if he messed up, he just, well, we'll just change this around and you know he would make it come out fine Mm. Um, and and so it depends on the child for that we've done yo-yo things we made yo-yo ornaments just like three or four yo-yos and then um, a jingle bell at the bottom or a tassel or something and just kind of stack them Um, yo-yo garlands yo-yos are really good for kids Mm. especially if you've got the yo-yo maker thing by clover Mm mm-hmm those are real easy. Um, my niece made a tote bag. She was nine when she made the tote bag, and she sewed it all completely herself. Wow. And, yeah, I was pretty proud of her. <laughs> does she still use the tote bag? Yes, she does. That <laughs> is her ballet bag. Ooh. So does she now come to you with ideas? Does she come to you and say, hey, this is something I really want to make this summer, or are you still pretty much the one finding the projects? Now, with the tote bag, she came the last time, and that's what that was her goal. She wanted to make a tote bag, mm. um, and she wanted she made one tote bag for herself. Uh, and yep, that was she asked, and she asked to make the quilt the first time as well. Mm. So it sounds like you're really sort of um, 
engendering in her a love for doing this if she's coming up with ideas herself and then following through that's pretty significant yeah and i try to pick i mean she didn't have a tote bag pattern she just said i want to make a tote bag right so i found i have a pattern that's really simple and i try to make sure that i don't allow her to choose something that's going to be so difficult that i would have trouble making <laughs> it. right <laughs> Um, do you have particular resources you tend to um, go to for ideas or for tips and, or um, help in teaching kids to quilt? No, I'm just winging it. <laughs> you could probably start writing your own articles <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I mean, I've, my mom is also um, a quilter. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've asked her and, st- and, and whatnot, her opinions and stuff. Um, she was the one that sent me the yo-yo maker and said, you know, this would be a, a good a good thing for, for them to, to use. What tips would you give anybody else that might be listening to this who might have a child in their life that they're thinking they might want to start doing this with? Well, I would say make sure that your sewing machine setup is going to work for the child before you get them all excited about doing it mm-hmm. and then have to scramble. <laughs> like I did. Right. Um, If your machine has a needle down feature, use it. If you can lower the speed on your machine, uh, and that's something I didn't think of doing until partway through my niece's first project, was slowing down the the maximum speed so that they don't gun it and scare themselves. Right. And the guide, I don't know what inspired me to put those post-it notes along there. I put it to the, I guess, the right of the needle, mm-hmm. quarter of an inch away, and I think I did two, so there'd be, you know, a longer than post-it note width, okay. twice post-it note width, and that really helped my niece a lot, and practicing. Um, my son will sew just on scrap fabric. I mean, he doesn't necessarily always want to sew a project. He's a gadget guy and he just wants to make the machine go (laughs) and so he'll find the two longest pieces of scraps i've got and then just sew them together in some pattern Hmm. and then he's done sounds Um, like you need to get him working on um free motion quilting (laughs) i have actually got him trying to do if i had a stitch regulator Hmm. i think he could be really good but i don't have a stitch regulator we're working on that right Right. Have you ever tried teaching an adult who's never done this before? And are there, or can you imagine whether there's things that are similar and things that are different? Well, I have tried teaching an adult. Adults tend to, you don't have to be as literal with adults and as precise with what you mean. Mm-hmm. You know, you can describe a process and they, they get it. With kids, I mean, you really have to describe everything step Mm. of the process and be very specific. I wouldn't worry so much about adults cutting. (laughs) Just give them a a few rotary cutter lessons. I wouldn't necessarily (laughs) just hand somebody a ruler and a rotary cutter and say, go for it. Um, You know, you show them how to do it. But, you know, as long as you keep things age appropriate, Mm -hmm. um, there really aren't, aren't too many differences. Um, you know, I wouldn't let an adult start a double wedding ring quilt as right. their first project. Right. You know, um, and I'd do the same thing with the tote bag. I'd find, yeah, I'd probably use the same pattern for 
for an adult as well as a first sewing project. The other thing you said that, that struck me was finding out what the kid really does actually want to do. Um, you know, where you, your son was asking if he could quilt and it turned out he really just wanted to play with the fabric. Um, you did have some great ideas there about just playing with fabric and, and talk a little bit more. You shared with me an email of how you're preparing some pieces specifically for your son. Yeah, he likes to do applique. I don't know where he gets that because I don't. <laughs> but that's what he thinks of. And so I prepare backgrounds for him to then do a picture on top of. Um, he did a, um, a pumpkin on a woven background that I had done already. And I had that woven background up on my design wall trying to decide what in the world I was going to do with it. Mm -hmm. And um, he was in the sewing room with me. And he was playing with fabric, and he looked up at that, and he said, Mom, I think that needs a jack-o'-lantern on it. <laughs> and I said, you know, I think you, you might be right. And he says, well, are you going to use it for anything? And I said, well, no, I haven't decided yet. I said, do you have a plan? And he said, just a minute. And he went to his room, and he drew a jack-o'-lantern out. He comes back, and with his little drawing, he says, is this a good enough plan? And I said, well, sure. And so we started picking fabric, and, and that's how he got to use that background. <laughs> if he got a plan before me. Mm. And now I think you, you mentioned that you prepare scraps of fabric with fusible ahead of time so that he can cut shapes out and just go straight to the, the fusing? Yes. I, um, I just have a scrap basket of fusible I don't like to be that precise, so I just cut a big square of fusible and fuse it onto fabric and then draw my shape out, and then I'm too frugal to throw the pre-fused kind of large scrap away. Mm -hmm. So I just put it in a basket, and then he can go through there, and if he doesn't find anything in there that he, he needs for his project, I'll fuse another piece for him hmm. and do that. But that's nice. It's nice to have for them... So they can just sit down and start. Right. Um, you know, he doesn't, he's not into the, well, first we've got to pick the fabric, and then we've got to fuse the fabric, and then we've got to trace. He just wants to start cutting. Right. That's, a, you know, when you had mentioned that, I thought that's something I hadn't really thought about doing before, and now I'm thinking about just doing it for myself. I mean, it's sort of like playing with a flannel board. <laughs> How much fun would that yeah, be? Yeah, well, I started that for myself. Because I was like, well, you know, it, it's the same thing. I want to just start playing with mm -hmm. it. I don't want to have to pick the fabric, fuse the fabric, draw the shape. Hmm. I'm kind of the same way. So I just have a basket of, whenever I fuse something for something in particular, I always fuse a little extra mm -hmm. and just put it in the basket. <laughs> That's a cool idea. So what do you personally get out of this, out of this experience of teaching your niece and your son? getting to spend time with them you know when you're sewing when people are sitting around sewing they, you talk you got time to talk and you know as you're sewing you kind of tend to talk about deeper things sometimes and you know deeper with kids and you, know, you can find about what's happening in their lives and who they like at school and, <laughs> you know who told on who <laughs> so you get all the dirt <laughs> right right <laughs> And with my niece, I can find, oh, you know, you just hear, kids will tell you anything. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you just hear about all her brothers and sisters, bad things that they've done, and they got in trouble for this, that, and the other, and all the things that they think are really important. Mm -hmm. So it's just the time to to listen, which is probably not something that we do enough with our kids these days. Thank you so much, Lynn, again, for allowing me to chat with you the other night and sharing it with our listeners. Um, Okay, again, I had posted a question, and now this was a few months ago. This was back in, I don't know, May or June, sometime in there, that I had posted the question in the Big Tent uh, group for the Quilting for the Rest of Us, asking what folks' experience was in teaching kids how to quilt. And I got a lot of great tips. I'd like to give thanks to Firetones and Carly and Kay and Michelle and Anne-Marie for either posting their comments in Big Tent or emailing me with their ideas. And I'm just going to be kind of summarizing the comments here. First of all, there was general agreement over the usefulness of quilting and counted cross-stitch in teaching academic subjects, especially math. Firetones mentioned using counted cross-stitch with her fourth and fifth graders as part of a graphing unit in math, and she said both the boys and girls loved it. So those of you especially who are homeschooling or if your teachers do think about quilting as a way of teaching a variety of academic subjects. Several folks also mentioned how much younger children, even toddlers and preschools, just love playing on the design wall. And I have to agree, I enjoy that part too. Uh, Carly and K or Car- Carolyn K, maybe it's Carlin K, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your username, um, is a mom of a three and five year old and she gives her kids squares and T-pins to create designs on her design wall. And don't worry, she sounds like a very careful mom. I'm sure she supervises them carefully when they've got those T-pins. Uh, she does also ask their advice on her own quilt designs. When she's got something up on her design wall, she'll invite them to come in and look at it and give her advice and she says they help her to not be in her words so controlled with it several folks also mentioned that you do need to explore what the child means when they say they want to quilt or sew and lynn talked about that in the the interview Uh, the kids definition of quilting or making a quilt may actually be just a small piece of what they've seen you doing they then associate that with quilting or you know that becomes their definition definition so again carly or carlin or carolyn mentions her girls loving to sit in her lap while she pieces uh remember again lynn mentioned in the interview her son was really asking if he could play on the design wall so forth Darla of Scientific Quilter posted something from Maria Piegler's blog. Maria said, It took me a long time to understand that when my son said, Mom, I want to sew, he didn't want to make a project. He just wanted to sit on my lap at the sewing machine and use it. So make sure if a child comes to you and says they want to sew or they want to quilt, ask them a few questions first and make sure you know what it is they're really asking you. There was also general agreement that having some things prepared ahead of time to make it easier for the child to become engaged is really helpful. Again, remember in the interview, Lynn talks about having pre-fused scraps available. Michelle suggests using pre-cuts such as jelly rolls and charm packs with kids because part of the work is then already done. Anne-Marie says, My sister and I put together quite a few things that might be used for sewing, like small scissors, pin cushions, tracing things, fabric swatches, etc. We told the girls we would keep it under our bed and bring it out next time they were here. 
They looked at everything, but didn't understand too much of it. But they found one thing that delighted them to pieces. There were two long, thin, foldable wands with lights on the tips and with magnets to pick up pins on the floor. A wand to a little girl? Truly underestimated. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. And by the way, that's Anne-Marie of Unearthing Quiltability, another podcaster. When it comes to design, there was also agreement on a few things. First of all, let the kid pick out his or her own fabric, even if it doesn't match. Don't worry about that. Just let the child pick out what they want to work with. Smaller children work more easily with bigger pieces of fabric. Allow the child to decide their own project, if possible. Carlin, Carolyn, Carrie, Lynn, Carly, sorry, <laughs> mentioned that her three-year-old designed her own purse. Her three-year-old picked out Disney fabric. Um, they looked at a number of number of purchase purchases around the house. She then told me the things she liked and disliked. Now she has a purse just for her and just what she wanted. She loves carrying her little softies in there. Um, and also remember, smaller or simpler projects work better because kids have really short attention spans. And so do some adults. I, I might count myself in that category. Um, I got a lot of great ideas for projects to use. Um, again, remember Lynn mentioned the yo-yos, and I hadn't even thought about yo-yos. That's a great idea. Michelle has made a quilted pillow, pot holder, doll quilt, linens for small tea tables, and pillowcases. Anne-Marie and Lynn both head in the direction of fusible or glued applique. And kids cut the shapes out of fabric and glue them onto a background fabric. Anne-Marie also mentioned using a poster board to start. Um, remember the, the whole purse, the Disney purse, and Lynn described in the interview making a tote bag. Uh, these are things that the child will actually be able to use and be really proud of making every time she or he carries it around. Well, I guess most likely boys not probably doing purses, maybe not even tote bags, but in any case, um, I'll, I guess I will use a she there, but don't want to make any assumptions. Anne-Marie gives us a very good reminder, don't be worried about the mess. And Michelle mentioned when your child gets a little bit older, maybe, um, she is thinking about buying a sewing machine for her kids. And I have to say, my mom actually bought a sewing machine for my daughter and my niece, who are a couple years apart, but they were both, I think my daughter was probably somewhere around eight maybe eight or nine somewhere in there um and it was a new machine that my mom bought for them but it was a, a kind of you know a, a basic very basic model of them um it but it certainly would have been good if my daughter had kept sewing she never did and we ended up donating it to uh, the refugee community but if she had continued to sew or um had indicated any interest in it it certainly would have been good enough to put her through you know college maybe even her early adult years um so you can get some very good basic machines that will hold up for a while but not be all that expensive um michelle does mention that she uh when she's looking for a sewing machine she's looking for the ability to control the speed uh she's looking at one that has a few decorations stitches so that the girls can play a little bit and she does mention if you can manage it oh maybe i'm sorry maybe michelle didn't mention this maybe this was lynn that was pointing this out if you can manage it um, having a needle down option is a really huge help now a few resources on um, 
kids quilting. First of all, you know, there's one I own, and everybody has mentioned this one to me as well. It's a popular one. It's called Kids Start Quilting with Alex Anderson. Um, I've had it for years. I don't know if I actually intended to teach my kids to quilt or if I was actually just looking for really easy quilt patterns for myself when I was a beginner. Um, This book is actually written for kids. Uh, it's written, you know, you will do this and et cetera, that it's not written for adults to work with kids. Um, but obviously adults can still use it for that. It does have a gallery of the quilts that are in the book produced by kids, which is pretty cool. The kids can look at pictures and say, Hey, another kid made this. Um, it has a short introduction letter to adults at the beginning with a couple of things for adults to remember while working with kids. Now, I will say Alex Anderson might be the most well-known, mostly because she's already got name recognition, but also her books are very well done. But if you go to Amazon and search for Kids Quilt or something along those lines, but make sure, by the way, you choose that drop-down menu to um, search specifically in the book department, or you will see lots of pictures of comforters for beds. Anyway, if you, um, you will see several listed in Amazon. And, you know, I, I looked through some of them. I did not know any of them other than Alex Anderson, so I don't want to particularly recommend any, but if you go through and and do that in Amazon, uh, you will find a whole lot of options. Um, Some are geared at working with kids in groups, others are geared at adults to teach kids to quilt, but there are still a bunch others out there also for kids themselves. Now, when I'm in Amazon, one of the things I've found to sort through results, what I tend to do is I find one book in that first list that shows up that looks most like what I'm interested in, and then I click on that book. And then when I'm on that book page, I scroll down to where it says customers who bought this item also bought. And you will then tend to find other books that may not have actually shown up in that first list, um, but they filter to the same topic. So it's a little bit of a faster way to find a bunch of books all under one topic that are much more similar to each other. And definitely read customer reviews. Uh, the couple of books I looked at didn't have a ton of reviews, but the information in the reviews was helpful in determining whether that would have been a book that you know could have suited certain needs or not. There's also a couple of websites that I will post in the show notes. Um, one is, like I said, Darla had sent me some information from Maria Piegler's uh, site, and it's quiltsandcreativity.com summer sewing camp. Again, I will post that link in my in the show notes to this episode. And another website that I ran across when I was researching this topic was um, the craftstudio.com QWC, which uh, QWC stands for Quilt with Kids. So if you go to the craftstudio.com, you'll see, um, I imagine, a link there to find the quilt Quilt with Kids page. But in any case, again, I will post that link in the show notes to this episode. So that being said, remember the show notes to this episode can be found at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. I am about to head out again for the weekend, but this one is a college visit with my daughter again. And if you remember, I had a working theory last spring when we were doing some other college visits about um, the colleges that were better options for her was directly related to whether or not there was a good quilt shop in town. So as soon as I sign off, I have to throw some stuff in a a suitcase. We're just going to be gone overnight. So packing will take me probably about a minute and a half. Um, And then I'm going to do a quick Google to see what quilt shops are in town, and I will keep you posted on that. So thank you for listening to this episode. Thanks again, Lynn and Jan, for allowing me to interview you. And until next week... Go get your quilty on. 
Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 